Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, many ancient cities like Jerusalem were built with walls around them to keep out enemies. The Great Wall of China was built to stop invaders from the north. In more modern times, there was the Berlin Wall. And then even closer to homes, we see there's walls around construction sites, walls separate houses. You probably have even heard the old saying that says, fences make good neighbors. But when you have a wall, then you may also have a door. And the purpose of a door is not necessarily to keep people out, but really the opposite, to create an entrance to create a place where people may pass through when otherwise they may have been totally shut out or excluded. A door or a gate or some other opening is, therefore, good news. It means you have the opportunity of getting to the other side when otherwise you could not. And that's how we should hear our gospel text today with the words of Jesus, as good news, as gospel. Because there is a door, a door to salvation, a door to heaven. And while it may be narrow, it's a door. And it's not yet closed. Only by the grace and mercy of God. But if there's a door, that means there must also be a wall. And indeed there is. It's a wall of sin. A wall of sin that we ourselves built between us and God. The wall of sin that separates us from God. Now remember, God didn't create this wall, and it wasn't there at the beginning. Remember, in the beginning, God walked and talked freely with Adam and Eve in the garden until they opted for something they thought was better. And then the wall was built. And Satan told them it wouldn't be a big deal. Go ahead, eat the fruit it was a big deal. It created this wall of sin, a wall of fear, a wall of shame, a wall of sadness, of guilt, and death. And in this wall, there was no door, no opening, no crack, no hope, no way out. But once again, no big deal, Satan said. And you know, there's still people today insisting that this wall is no big deal. Some because they choose to live their lives without God at all. But then there are some that buy into this notion that they think if they're good enough or smart enough, emotional or zealous enough, that we can overcome this wall ourselves. Yes, it's a barrier, but it's not insurmountable. Each of us has the ability to overcome it because if we built it, then we must have been, we must certainly be able to get our own way out. And so that's why so often you'll hear false teaching after false teaching telling you to try harder, to think more positively, to find your inner strength, to become revved up or on fire or more alive. Do whatever it takes. Strive to enter. That is what Jesus said, right? The Greek word used there brings out even more the sense of the word. Agonizomai. 
agony, literally, be in agony to enter through the narrow door. And that makes more sense. You know, the, the more you try to get past this wall of sin, the more you just wind up beating your head against the wall. As Jesus said, many will seek to enter and will not be able to. And so while we may try hard, our strength eventually fails us. We get tired, we get frustrated, and finally we just want to give up. We try to think more positively, but then sin and struggles, reality of this world intrude and fill our minds with all sorts of negative things. From terrorism to natural disasters to diseases to fear to shame to death. We try to look inside ourselves for strength, and we find only weakness, disappointment, and sin. And revved up and on fire, who's got the time or the energy for that? Truth is, it's hard enough just striving, agonizing to finish another week of getting through what we need to do. And life seems so hard, our prayers often seem unanswered. And if that's what it takes to enter the narrow door, then the answer to this person's question that we heard, Lord, will those who are saved be few? The answer must be yes, right? But the answer is no. There are, in fact, many who will be saved. For as Jesus later says in our text, people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. We heard that same thought echoed in the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah. For the good news, as Jesus said, is that there is a door. A door punched through this wall of sin and death. And it's not from this side of heaven. It's not from us. But it's from heaven, by God. By our God who could not and would not tolerate our sin. But who also did not tolerate separation from us. And so there is a way. There is a way out of sin. Out of the separation between us and God. Out of this world of suffering and death and into life. Out of hopelessness and into hope. Out of fear and into confidence. That is what God promised to Adam and Eve after they sinned. There would be one who would come and overcome this wall bringing heaven to earth and taking us from earth to heaven. That's what Jesus was teaching as he went through the towns and villages, making his way to Jerusalem. He was teaching that he was that one. He is the wonderful narrow door. The one through his incarnation brought heaven to earth and the one who through his life, death, and resurrection takes us from earth to heaven. And so Jesus was heading to Jerusalem to do just that, to accomplish this work, to be the wonderful narrow door, the door bringing heaven to earth and taking us from earth to heaven. And both directions are necessary and very important because Jesus is concerned about all of your life, not just your life here or there, but both your life here and there. And so he's provided for all. Not just part, and then part up to you. Jesus has done everything. He's done all of it. And so Jesus comes 
and brings you life from heaven. He comes here and now through his holy word, through holy absolution, through holy baptism and holy communion. He comes to take away those things that rob us of life. And in their place, he gives us life. Remember, Jesus brings life. That's what he does. And through these means, he gives forgiveness and he takes away the sin and the guilt and all that drives us to despair. He gives hope and he takes away the fears that rob our confidence. He gives faith and he takes away the doubts that cause so much worry and anxiety. He gives love and he takes away the hatred and anger and selfishness that separates us from each other. And with these gifts, he gives life. And that's what he does. He gives life, life from heaven that Satan so wants to rob from us. Jesus has come to rob the robber of his prey. For he is the wonderful narrow door that brings the life of heaven down to earth. Yet, as we live this life, he gives and enables. It is in the knowledge that there is an even greater life waiting for us. And for this too, he is the wonderful narrow door. Because joined to him and living in him by faith, we know that when this life ends, his life, death, and resurrection will be our life, death, and resurrection. And the entrance to eternal life with him. And we know the truth that to pass through this door, you don't need to be the best or the smartest or the most devoted or meet any certain criteria. You need to be only in Christ, in Jesus, the one who takes you from earth to heaven. If we try to approach heaven apart from him on our own, on the basis of our own work, our own merits or achievements, then it's the words that we heard in the gospel that would be spoken to us. I do not know where you come from. But the door is open for those who come in Jesus, in his cross, in his life, death, and resurrection. These God knows. And those who come in these God knows. For as we have lived in these through confession and repentance, through forgiveness and the life that our Savior gives, he has known us all along our lives as we live in him and we live in faith in him. And we who are probably considered last by the criteria of the world will be first in the kingdom of God. And so when Jesus says strive or agonize to enter through that narrow door, he's not directing us to ourselves or our own strength or our own abilities. He's directing us to himself, to stay in him, to stay in him through word and sacrament, to abide in him as our life. For the door to heaven is as narrow as the cross. For the cross is the only door. But it's also as wide as the cross, the open arms of Christ, because Christ and his cross are for all. And to all, Jesus now comes to forgive, to renew, to strengthen. He comes to give life. No one is out of his reach. No one is beyond his care. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and he wants this to be for everybody. 
And so we have hope. Hope for ourselves and hope for others. But you know, sometimes the cares and troubles of this life make us forget that, right? We fall back into the trap of thinking that we have to do it, that we have to agonize on our own, that we have to find life, that we have to find the door, that we have to do this, this, or this. That's not the way it is. Remember that wonderful truth. Your Savior has done it all. He's done everything for you. And so when life comes crashing down on you again and again, or when the cares of this world seem overwhelming, or when sin takes hold and we wonder, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Will I even be saved? Here you have a refuge and an answer and a yes in the cross of Jesus, your Savior. For he is the wonderful narrow door, the one who came and strove with sin, Satan, death, and the grave, and who won. Who won the victory and who gives us the victory. And so join to him and alive in him, the victory is yours. The door is wide open, as wide open as his wonderful arms around you. Amen.